Welcome to this edition of the New Shape of Work podcast series. Today I'm actually joined in person with Amelia Hadfield who is the professor at Surrey University and we're going to be having a discussion on the political situation and what are some of the implications for business and the people agenda. I'm just so bowled over that I'm actually in person with someone. It feels very radical, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? So strange. But um, boy, how much has happened in the last year, both in being able to be in you know, side by side, yep, yep. but also the conversations that companies have been having around the geopolitical tensions yep. and how that is now a part of all their planning this year. So maybe we can start there. Let's um, do that. Yeah. What's got us into the current situation? My goodness, uh, it has been a whirlwind uh, and a very volatile uh, couple of years, actually. Obviously, the war in the Ukraine has uh, catalyzed our attention. And since then, what we've seen is a series um, of offensives and counteroffensives between the Russians on the one side and the Ukrainians on the other. And alongside that, of course, uh, what was a, uh, you know, a regional upheaval really turning into a, a massive global crisis because you've got uh, food uh, arising as an issue from this. You've got massive energy shifts, energy markets around the world now, completely um, topsy-turvy. And you've got politics and security and defense. Um, so it, it might sound like I'm over-egging it, but really the future of Europe is at stake. We have never seen higher stakes, I think. Uh, since the end of the Second World War, NATO has shifted almost completely in its philosophy. All of the states of NATO, all of the states of the European Union have had to rethink fundamentally um, where they are. Other areas, I think, COVID continues, actually, I think, to dominate in terms of the way we think of ourselves just now, you know, mm-hmm. face-to-face. Companies are rebuilding. People are just rebuilding the muscle of getting back to work, if you like. Uh, and also that question of what is work, you know, and what is the right method for companies to be able to incentivize um, people in terms of um, understanding them and sponsoring them and, and, and making them feel special while changing at the same time. Other big ones, you've got uh, China on the one side, the United States on the other. Expect major global shifts from this, uh, all eyes possibly on the on the, on the midterms uh, in, in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a question as to whether American leadership is going to be um, something that is supported by, by the White House. It's looked for by Europe. Um, so if that trajectory continues, I think we're in a good place. But if it changes, um, then once again, you've got massive question marks as to where the, where the world is going to go. Final one, and that's, of course, uh, Britain's relationship with the European Union. I'm happy to say I think we've seen some positive here. Post-Brexit, Europe um, and Britain have come uh, more closely together, I think, whether it's been trying to rebuild and work uh, in the Ukraine um, or something called the European political community, uh, a new idea of non-European member states uh, getting together with European member states to talk about the big things, democracy, climate change, security, defence. So I'm I'm positive, I'm happy, I'm optimistic that Britain (laughs) might be able to find a, a new way back to Europe. I mean, what a whirlwind tour of what's been going on in the last year. Can I get you to maybe look forward? Mm. Um, What do you think are some of the big topics that businesses need to be thinking about as they execute on their plans in 2023? Businesses, I think, continue to work their way beyond those those COVID logistics, as I've mentioned before. Uh, I think it's undeniable they're going to be impacted um, by aspects of the war in Ukraine, maybe not directly, but indirectly um, as a result of, you know, rising inflation. Um, if they're a part um, of a market where recession, you know, is an, is an obstacle, that's obviously going to be a problem. And I think questions also as to, you know, how to invest and where to invest. Um, I think we've seen an uptick in services, which is good, but I think We've also seen halts in terms of goods. Even now, we've got supply chain blockages. Companies need to be very aware of that. That's going to impact on planning. That's going to impact on investment. I think also in terms of how to, as I mentioned before, really incentivize um, their employees and make them feel genuinely part um, of a company. 
and to trust a company, you know, trust in governments is at an all-time low right now. So our next best, you know, area of feeling that we're part of something is either just our families or where we work. Um, and being able to get a, a bit of a boost if you're in a company that really values you, I think that's hugely, hugely important. I really agree with your comments about trust in organizations. We see that through our own global, global talent trends mm. data. That's actually shot up during yeah. this period. Yeah. So I think organizations are really in a very firm footing to take that forward. You mentioned inflation, mm. and I know you get asked a lot about how is that gonna play out? Um, how long do you think we're gonna be in this inflationary environment? And more specifically, for some of the challenges we face, what do you think will be the impact on wage and health inflation? You know, it's a, it's a key question. Um, uh, governments around the world are looking at this, and so is business. Um, I, I think it will be slightly dispersed. Some governments might be able to accelerate out of it rather quicker, depending on the types of sectors that they, they specialize in. Others may languish in it um, a little bit longer. I don't think it'll be as chronic as the, the banking crisis of 2008, 2009. This feels more like sort of episodic and quite sector-driven, um, probably as a result of sort of post-COVID um, upheavals as well. So certainly being aware of that. Also, you know, keeping an eye on political events, because again, if you've got um, uh, chronic shortages in things like food, um, and particularly in some areas and aspects of commodities, and those are the commodities that your company is, you know, is interested in, be aware that you might have to shift um, your business plan, your model, your paradigm. And in doing so, that's going to have an impact um, on the employees and your staff and try to motivate them and, and make them aware, first of all, of what's happening and why they need to be part of that shift. So everybody getting together, you know, that, that common collective mindset, that's very, very important. I've heard you talk a lot about the need for a collective mindset, not just a, across Europe, but mm. also to make sure that we're sharing information transparently within organizations. You just mentioned there the 28-29 recession. Yep. And I wonder if there's any lessons from that that we should be taking heed of this year. Yes, I think so. I think maybe better financial planning. I know. I mean, we, we do all our quarterly reports, so I think this is something that's the DNA, if you like, of, of good and responsive companies. Uh, but being aware um, of the need to, to plan in um, our, our employees in terms of rewards, um, perhaps that's something that it, it's a bit of a, an unintended appendix. We always forget about it. It's always at the end. But, you know, if, we, if COVID has taught us um, really something in the last couple of years, it's that you, people are the absolute, they're the engine. They what are what drive us forward. So being able to identify them, help them, them, source them and support them and reward them, I think is incredibly important. Also, I think com companies are beginning to think about their role in the world. So sustainability aspects, environmental um, boosts, uh, and the way in which they're part of a broader governance structure, if you like, really taking corporate social responsibility much, much more seriously than before. It used to be a kind of a, you know, a tick box. Have we done this? Yes, we have. Now, I think companies are much more on this. And I, I, actually, I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. And I think we're seeing a lot more human capital disclosures yeah. and a lot more reporting on ESG progress. As we do face a recessionary environment, how do you think that might impact organizations' commitment to those ESG goals? Well, obviously, we don't want to see companies um, downsizing. That's probably, that's the big question. And you're, you're bound to get, um, I think, you know, skittish employees. And, you know, that's a reasonable question for them to ask. Are you, are you keeping me or, or what's going on? I would also want to urge um, companies that despite this period of volatility, the one thing that shouldn't go out the window is ESG. Um, I think the corporate sector's done very well to fight hard um, to identify why ESG is important at the corporate level, whether you're a huge multi national company or you're a small uh, micro company or you're somewhere in the middle small SME um, our responsibilities to the planet 
um, surpass any um, responsibilities we may have to our stakeholders. So that's incredibly important. I think what's interesting is that companies are going to need a bit more training. It's one thing to say, okay, well, we recycle at the end of the day, or we've got, you know, we've, we've got a program. Um, but the idea of actually training um, your staff in what ESG is, are they aware of the responsibilities of COP, for example? Do they know what the United Nations does? Is it worthwhile telling them? Yes, I think it really is. Do you have an ESG compliance officer? Is that something who can try to steer the ESG philosophy in your company for Further forward, can you do it in tandem with another company? Can you do this? Is there sort of an ESG buddy system that you can set up? So there's a whole host of really creative ways just beginning to open up now. Um, so I think in the next couple of years, it'll be fascinating to see which companies are the ones to identify those and have that sort of first mover advantage. I mean, thank you for sharing those creative examples there. You know, you said a number of times during this interview, putting people at the heart mm. is so critical. And we see that young people in particular are looking to join organizations that do not just deliver, not just have commitments around ESG, oh, yeah. but deliver on them. And you're yeah. right that that needs to infuse right throughout the organization mm. if we're going to make progress. We are at time. I could have another half hour speaking <laughs> to you on this topic. But thank you, for so, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts around what's happening politically in sure. the current state and how that might impact business planning in 2023. An absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and nice to be here in person. Yes, it is. It's lovely. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're interested in hearing these type of discussions that do impact the future of work, please do visit mercer.com where you'll see other conversations like this, looking at how the world of work is changing and what we need to be thinking about in the year ahead. Thank you for listening. Thank you.